Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, because it is Valentine's Day, I thought it'd be appropriate to open up with a, with a joke about love, okay? So I, I just, I'll just share with you this for a moment. There's this couple who... You know, they didn't always have the most peaceful of marriages. They were quarreling quite a bit. And, and so one evening, they, they'd been married for a while. One evening, they, they had a, a little tiff and they, they went to bed. But lo and behold, in the middle of the night, the husband went on to be with the Lord. So he actually, he showed up in heaven at the pearly gates and St. Peter was there as St. Peter always is in most jokes, but he's right there and he's waiting for, you know, the, the husband is waiting for St. Peter to open the gates. And Peter said, first off, welcome to heaven. You've made it. Welcome. It's so great. And he's like, wow, this is great. He said, but Peter said, in order to get in, there's a password. And the guy was like, what, what do you mean a password? He said, well, it's not really, I, I, you have to spell something. And the guy said, man, I'm a terrible speller. I'm bad. I, I'm, I'm not very good. And he said, Peter said, listen, I, I, you just got to spell love. He goes, oh, like love, like L-O-V-E, love. And Peter's like, yes, that's right. Come on in. So he walks in and after he was there a few days, he was walking around. He walked by the pearly gates and Peter saw him. He said, hey, 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 can you just come here real quick? He said, can you take my place? I've got to go do something. And I just, I need you to stay here, take my place. You know what to do. Someone gets there, you know, give him the word. He goes, yeah, no problem. That's great. So Peter goes away and the husband is just standing there, the guy's standing there. And, and all of a sudden his wife is before him. So apparently she had died. And so there is his wife and she comes up and she looks at the pearly gates and she sees him. Then she's frustrated. She goes, how in the world did you get to heaven? I know your life. I know that. How did you get here? There's no way you made it here. He said, I, I, all I know is I'm here and, and, uh, and this is what Peter's asked me to do. And she said, well, what are you doing? He, he said, well, I, when I got here, I had to give a password. Well, really, I had to spell a word. She goes, you're a terrible speller. You've always been a terrible speller. I can't believe that they entrust you to, to have people spell something when you're such a bad speller. He goes, I know, I know, but, but I did, and, and here I am. And she goes, well, what's the word? What do I have to spell then to get in there? And so the husband, he said, okay, here's the word, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Love you. Really, from Cheryl and I, we wish you the greatest of Valentine's Day for you couples and uh, for those who are missing your Valentine today because of a loss, we, our heart goes to you, we're praying for you. And then for you young adults who are looking for a Valentine, remember this, marry the woman or the man you want to raise your children, not the one that looks good in the moment. Okay, amen, everybody said hallelujah to that, right? Okay, great. Well, guys, this, we're continuing the Sermon on the Mount which I've titled it, the Sermon on the Mount, The Life You've Always Wanted. And we continue to tune our ears really to the words of Jesus, this sermon, his sermon, from, that we've been reading from the eyewitness account of Matthew, who penned this, who listened to this, who wrote this. And this sermon from Jesus is one of the most well-known sermons of all times. And this sermon that we've been looking at for several weeks, it is incredible. It is powerful. And it really, it lifts us and shakes us at the same time. And there's a difference as we get into this sermon. As you know, there's a difference between a good sermon and a great sermon. And I think that the difference of a good and a great sermon is the great sermon sticks. You don't forget it. It sticks in your mind. It, 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 it stays with you as you journey through your life and the great sermons speak to the heart of people. 
It speaks to where they are. It speaks to what they're, what they're going through. And Jesus is one of the greatest preachers, greatest pastors, greatest teachers that ever was and ever will be. And he is giving this incredible sermon for you. What's very interesting about Jesus, he was never criticized for, for how long he preached. Because, I mean, he would preach long. So much so, like, people were hungry. They'd been with him all day. He never was criticized for how he spoke. And so, I don't like the way you speak. But his criticism always came from what he said. What he dealt with. He didn't preach to tickle the ears of those who were listening. He preached with the intention to bring freedom to people's lives and their hearts because he loves them. Because Jesus truly wants you, wants us together to live a life that we really want. He wants you to live the life that he wants for you. He wants you to live a life that really you've always wanted to live. And in order for that to happen, in order for you to live a life that you're like, this is the life I want. Jesus had to deal with the core of who we are. He had one purpose, and that's, that's what so many people misunderstand about, about Jesus, is that they, when you talk about God or talk about Jesus, everyone automatically feels condemned or feels like, oh no, he's, he, he doesn't like me. That's not the heart of Jesus. He is teaching these things because his purpose was to give you life and to give you life to the fullest. And that could not be accomplished or happen in your life unless he uncovered, unless he dealt with the things in our lives that do the opposite, that bring us death. All of us know we have things in our life that, that we recognize does not bring forth the life that God wants for me. All of us do. And Jesus came to deal with those things. And he deals with the things that bring us death. Why would he do that? Because he is passionate about you. He wants you to live a life that you can say, this is what I never thought I could live. This is what I really want. He's like a, a good friend. And all of us have these good friends that, that when you're, they, they're always honest with you, right? Sometimes you wish they weren't so honest. But you know, because you trust their intention that they really do care for you. That's why they're being honest with you. Jesus is this way. He's a straight shooter. He is very plain language. And he spoke in a way that no matter where the listener came from, no matter, no matter what background they had, no matter where, like what side of the tracks, what neighborhood, what, no matter where they came from, they could understand him very, very clearly. Every word in his sermon was exactly what he wanted to say and meant to say. And everyone who reads it or hears it doesn't forget it. It's a great sermon. Now, I may not like it, but I won't forget it. Jesus continues in this sermon not to tell people how to get saved or come into the kingdom. This particular sermon is what is to be the pursuit of our lives as people in his kingdom, as people, as children of God, living it out, walking it out from the inside out, not the outside in. Because Jesus is also addressing some of these issues with the Pharisees. Because their whole life was about, look at me. Their whole life was about, look, what was about these, these facades of, see, I'm good on the outside. 
But Jesus said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's not where good comes from. Good comes from a transformed heart on the inside. That's why he's getting to the heart of all of us. And God's children are not to operate from from what we do. We're, we're We're to operate from a transformed heart that we've surrendered to him. And from that transformation of a heart, then our lives manifest what's really on the inside. And so Jesus cuts through the facades. He pulls back the curtains of the heart. He, he, he dismantles, really, the mental games we play in our minds to excuse away what's really going on on the inside. He is a master communicator, but he's also a loving pastor and friend of yours. He doesn't do this to embarrass us or shame us. You know why he does it? Listen, he does it to set you free. He does it so that, so that he doesn't, he wants you to live free from what's binding you on the inside. He tells you the truth. Why? So that the truth can set you free. So Jesus, in this sermon, particularly today, puts a spotlight on our hearts. He's looking at the inner man, what's going on on the inside, because we don't like to really explore that very much. We like to do things to, that, that at the end of the day, we can say, well, see, I did this, 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 this. Therefore, I'm good, so I'm going to ignore what's really on the inside. And Jesus knows that's not real life. That's just living with a mask on. And so up to this point, to this passage today, we're about to read, he's dealt with the anger of the heart. He's dealt with the importance of forgiveness. Next week, we're going to deal with Divorce and marriage. And I believe God's going to bring healing and restoration to a lot of people's hearts who have been condemned. But also, God's going to speak to us in a way that holds a very high value of marriage. And we, we need to have that as followers of Jesus. He talks about our vows. He, t- he talks about our integrity in this sermon. And many folks, to be honest with you, a lot of people avoid teaching these tough subjects. It's like, the, the, it's like tiptoeing around puddles of like sticky hot tar and you don't want to get any on you. But that's not what Jesus did. He went in chest deep because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Because he wants you to live the life we've actually all wanted to live. And what Jesus is talking about is about as you follow me, this is, this is what I want to do in your heart to bring you to the place that you can have peace. What we're talking about today is not just an, an issue back in the days of Jesus. It's incredibly relevant today. What we're talking about today is the root cause of broken promises in relationships, in marriages, divorce, It causes individuals, it causes precious families, men, women, children to go from a place of security to chaos in their lives. It is secretive, it is dishonest, it corrodes the the character and the integrity of the individual like a wrecking ball. And as that wrecking ball swings, it also destroys the reputation of a person who spent their lifetime building it. And what Jesus is addressing today and wants to address to every single one of us is the lust of the heart. 
He's talking about the, this, this in the context of marriage, but it's to be applied on every person, whether you're married or not. This is what Jesus is dealing with. And so we open our hearts to him today. And he has come and preached this and shared this. It's in his word because he wants you to have life. He wants you to live a life of freedom because he loves you enough to have a real conversation with you. He doesn't do it to condemn you. He doesn't do it to make you feel bad. He does it to un uncover what really we've been, we've been hiding so then we can surrender it to him and he can heal us and set us free. So let's listen to the words of Jesus out of Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to be, excuse me, to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. And I'll explain that in just a moment. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. God wants to do something in our lives today. Many of us maybe are in a prison of lust. We don't know how to get out. But I want you to know something today. Jesus does. He knows how to set you free. But he is also in partnership with him, giving us some practical things that we can set up in our lives so that truly we can live this life that we want. And God wants to unlock you from your prison of lust. Remember, the heart of Jesus is to bring deliverance on the inside through his power, through his work in your life. And so let's all open our hearts today and receive from Jesus. And so I want to give us just three keys to unlock your prison of lust from the Word of God. Number one, the first key is to guard your heart from lust and you will guard your life from regret. Jesus knows this. He knows that lust does not produce something in you that you are proud of. It actually produces things in you that you are ashamed of and you have regret. So we are to guard our heart from lust and you will guard your life from regret. I think it's so important that as we deal with issues like this because I believe, listen, I want our families to succeed. I want our marriages to succeed. I want our young adults to pursue integrity and purity. And if we can't receive this or hear this or it be challenged here from the word of God in church, where can it be? We are called to do this. We are called to live this life. And God invites us in, in, into this journey to take these steps to say, God, I want to guard my heart. And so just as a sidestep, I, I truly, absolutely believe that church is the place that we need to be challenged and to be healed and to be delivered from the world that we live in that's driven by the spirit of lust. Amen? Do you believe that? And that's what we want. And so Jesus begins teaching and he says, first, guard your heart from lust and it will guard your life from regret. So, so often, we reduce sin to what we do. But because Jesus wants to make you free, he actually has to deal with the cause, with the root, which is who we are on the inside. 
Yes, we can sin with our eyes, and yes, we can, we can, our actions by our own hands can, can sin. But what Jesus is saying in this passage is that our hands and our eyes are instruments that do the bidding of what's in our hearts. And the truth is, is no follower of Jesus accidentally committed sexual immoral sin without first having entertained, revisiting the action in their hearts and their imagination. You didn't accidentally do it. it. Something happened in our hearts that we allowed ourselves to bring it back to thought. And we thought about scenarios and situations. And, and we, we kept replaying it in our minds from what was in our hearts, which is lust, which then led to an action by our hands. And as you can hear this, as you hear Jesus, he's, he go, he's going deep into our hearts. He's revealing to us today because he loves us, because he cares for us. Because you're his child, and he wants you to live a life of freedom. He's telling us today, listen, we are not to play around with sin in our thought life. We're not to flirt with it. We're not to enjoy dabbling around the edges of it. We are to despise it. We're to get it out. We're to crush it, and we're to take it seriously. Many people believe God really doesn't care about these things. And many, even many people believe that, you know what, I just, it's okay, like, it's okay just a little bit because I'm human, you know. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. The fruit of that in your life will be destructive. Jesus isn't saying, how dare you? He's saying, no, hang on, caution, caution, caution. I want to heal you from this. I want you to be delivered from this. Because no one who finds himself in the scorched land of the fire of lust says, I'm so glad that I'm standing here. Nobody says that. And Jesus is determined to give you hope and to help you take this next step. Because we live in a world that is full of lust. And also many times people who maybe struggle with lust, they, they get married thinking that's the solution. But many times marriage can just inflame the desire even more. And the reason is the fire of lust is an issue of the heart and can only be extinguished by Jesus Christ in our lives. It can only be extinguished through, through our cooperation with him, our surrender to him, and our submission under him. I know it's very interesting. Sometimes people, why are we talking about this in church? It's so awkward. And it is, I agree. But the fact is this, our sexuality matters to God because he created it. He, he invented it. He gave it to the human race as a gift, as a, 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 in creation, in he, but also as he created, he placed boundaries on both marriage and sexuality. Why? For our own joy, for our own peace, for it's a gift, so he wants it to bless us. And that is the boundaries in which it blesses us and, trans, and helps us, transforms and, and, and does things through us and in us with, with what God has called us to be in marriage with someone. It is from God. 
It's his boundaries were given as a protection to give us a fulfilling life, to give us what he's called, to, called us to live. And to ignore these boundaries will only lead to destruction. To ignore these boundaries, if you think about it for a moment, and that's what he's dealing with, to ignore them is a conscious choice to step outside of the protection of God into the enemy's territory. It is, it is a very, very dangerous place to be in the area of our sexuality and life as a whole. And Jesus begins in verse 21 by saying this, you've heard that it was said, then he quotes the seventh commandment, do not commit adultery. Then he goes, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in their hearts. And you can flip it whether it's female to male or male to female. Again, Jesus is shifting the attention from our actions to the conditions of our hearts. He brings us to a place that we actually never saw was, was, was happening. I mean, these, these people, they were out there hanging out with Jesus, and they're like, well, isn't this great? We're out here, and Jesus, you know, Jesus is the man. He, he's, he's preaching so well, and, and they're like, oh, yes, yes, adultery. That's in Ten Commandments, and then Jesus, like, shifts, and all of a sudden, whoa, you're talking about my heart? Like, awkward. And they're like, I, I think, I, hey, I think uh, I need to go back home real quick. And he surprises us. It's funny, even when, as I read through the Sermon on the Mount, and I encourage you to do so, you're reading, you're like, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, wow, he went there, didn't he? He went there. And he went there because he wants you to live a life of freedom. Because he loves us. And we are confronted with this undeniable truth that the heart of the matter is actually the matter of the heart. Jeremiah 17, speaking about the heart, says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and be beyond cure, who can understand it? Jesus continually, he drills down into our lives and gives us freedom we actually really want. It's interesting though, that the seduction of the world that we do live in, I mean, messages all the time, and the lust of our flesh, which Scripture talks about, we have the lust of the flesh, and then we have the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. We, we, are, we are battling against these things. But our flesh and the world, and, and I'll just listen to this for a second, tells us, lies to us that this particular act or sexual experience, that in that we're going to find true life. But we all know it actually leads to death. But Jesus invites you, invites us to come and die to our flesh. And the outcome is really the life we've always wanted. The two contrasts. The world says, come, this will give you life, and it kills you. Jesus says, come and die, and I'll give you life. That's what he's saying. The lust of the heart is a struggle for both male and female. But just for a moment, as we look at all statistics, it show that this is predominantly an issue for men. And listen to what the Bible says about a man lusting and seeking sexual experience outside of the boundaries that God has set in place for his protection. Proverbs chapter 6. 
Can a man scoop fire in his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. And whoever does so destroys himself. Scripture is clear that this, this unchecked lust of the heart brings destruction to all of our lives and our families. And I think for us men for a moment, we're to be men of God. And as followers of Jesus, it is time, particularly this year, I believe God is doing things fresh and new in all of our lives this year. It's time that we live our lives in a way that brings honor to the one that we follow, which is Jesus. The tragedy about the lust of the heart is that it makes, it makes a, a woman an object. Lust is completely self-centered. It treats other persons as a thing to be exploited and used, and it adulterates them. God's creation, God's, God's precious women, it, it, it sees them as objects. And as followers of Jesus, we are to cherish the daughters of God, women. We are to protect them. That is our role. That's what God's called us to do. We are to honor them. We are to respect them. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We are to see every woman as God's daughter and treat her as so. Amen? That's what God's called us to do. Because the truth is this. We live in a world that our young women need to see men that they can trust. Our young men need to see men of God walking in purity. And walking it out with full reliance on the power of God in their lives to help them do so. And the life that we really want in our families. The husbands, we really want our daughters to marry. Our, 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 I, want, I want my daughter to know what it means to be a man of God in impurity. The men that our young men need to, need to live up to and, and take care of a, a, of a family one day. I want them to walk in purity. Because it's different than anything else in the world. But it's truly when it's walked out, it's the life that brings joy and peace and a sense of, 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 of a purpose in your life. And you walk in your relationship with God. It is different. But it is what gives us the most life. We want our families and our wives and our daughters and men and women regardless. We want to surrender our hearts so that we can be delivered from what the world tells us. Hey, that's normal. Lust, the fire of it. Let it be. Let it go. Feels good. Do it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And how do we take that first step? Really, it's about surrendering our lives to Jesus. It's about recognizing, hey, Lord, I surrender my life. We repent. This is the truth. Jesus has so much for you. So much for your life, so much for your relationship, whether you're single, whether married, or it doesn't matter. He has so much for you. And this, this, this lust in us robs from us the joy of the life that God's called us to live. And so question for us today, do you entertain? Do you welcome?
Do you seek after scenarios in your mind and your imagination? Sexual experiences, do you replay past ones? The Lord says this, it is time to surrender your heart so that I can heal you and bring freedom and unlock your prison of lust. Second thing that Jesus teaches us in order to have a life of freedom from lust and walk out the joy and happiness of the life he's called us to, which he wants for every one of his children, he exaggerates about the practical things we should do in order to accomplish it. I'm sure maybe, maybe you've never seen this passage before. You think, wow, really? That's what Jesus wants me to do? Well, Jesus said this, listen, if, you're, if your right eye causes you to stumble, then, then get a fork and pluck that thing out. That's not what he meant. Don't do that. What, we, what he was saying was, actually, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Jesus wasn't really saying, listen, pluck that eyeball out. Because if that was the case, every man I know will be blind today. He wasn't saying chop off the hand because the Bible says actually that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we're to take care of them. He was exaggerating to make a point how important it is to live free of lust. And he was saying, point number two, that we are to separate. He's saying, I want you to separate yourself from whatever fuels the lust of your heart, even if it's painful or inconvenient. Jesus was also making a statement that the pain of a lost eyeball or a lost hand is actually far less painful than a life destroyed by lust. That's what he's saying here. So he's saying, make some decisions to separate from what fuels the lust of your heart. Take some practical steps. So if you find the internet as a source of fuel for your lust, put a filter on it. Get it out. Do whatever it takes. It's so inconvenient. Yes, it is. Jesus is saying it's worth it. Put accountability in place. If you find yourself on your smartphone looking, looking up stuff because it's secret and you can have all kinds of browsers that hide something, get rid of that. It's painful. It's inconvenient. Yes, it is. But it's worth it. If you find yourself flirting inappropriately in chat rooms or whatever it may be online, delete whichever platform you are on and do it today. If you're married and you, and you chase the thrill of dabbling and, and you like the rush of it all, listen, delete the platform today. Oh, it's so, uh, do I really need to do that? Yes, you do. If you find yourself getting your ego or your needs, or, or your emotions met by someone other than your spouse in that way that only your spouse should meet, then get away from them. Cut off the relationship. If you're married, and when, you, when you're in a room with a particular individual of the, of the opposite sex, and you can feel the, your, your, the fire of lust begin to ignite, get out of the room. Yeah, but it's so inconvenient and so painful. Yes, it is. Jesus says it's far less painful than a life with so much promise 
So much future. So much going for you. So much love, so much safety in, in your own life or in your own home or in your own relationship, whatever it may be. It's far much less painful to do that than to be consumed by lust. Lust, unsurrendered and unchecked, will give you the attributes of Satan. And Jesus told us the attributes of the enemy is to steal, is to kill you, and to destroy you. That's Satan's one job for you is to still kill and destroy not only your life but everyone else else's life around your families your children that his goal is to still kill and destroy and this is one of the main ways that he does it Genesis 39 there's a story of Joseph if you haven't read it before let, let me encourage you it's a fascinating story he was abused by his brothers they faked his death they sold him into slavery to a captain in the Egyptian army. But as he served in the captain's house, he found favor. And he was given more and more responsibility because he was a man of integrity and so he could be trusted. He was around important people. He was around beautiful people. And the captain was out of town for an extended period of time. And Joseph was given the responsibility to take care of the household, take care of even the lands, and even he was given charge over, over the other places of the house. And as the captain is away, the captain's wife had a thing for Joseph. And day after day, she was flirting. She was trying to seduce him. And this is what he said. He said, no, uh-uh. This would be a sin against God. And the Bible says, now listen, listen to what he said. The Bible says he kept out of her way as much as possible. You think that was convenient for him? No. Think that was painful? Is that he's like, I'm going to go to, the, no, I'm not going to go there because she's in there. I'm going to walk around the long way around to get to where I need to go. Why? Why? Because he said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not going to sin against God. He put practical things in place. And, but one day this beautiful, important woman with the house all to themselves. Nobody would ever know. What does it really matter? Joseph, you've served so well. You've been so good. You, you know what, just, just a little, just a little satisfaction. I mean, come on, just do something for yourself. She comes to Joseph and she's like, come on, let's have sex, let's go. And he, he said, she grabbed him and he tore away from her. And as he tore away, she, he left his cloak in her hands, which was identified as Joseph's cloak. And because Joseph separated from her, she accused him of rape. And as a servant, he was thrown into prison. And you think, well, see, real nice. He did what was right, and he ended up in prison. But the truth is, is God honored Joseph and later he became the prime minister of Egypt. This is to be our example as men and women of God. When lust in our hearts arises, we are to run. We are to leave. We are to turn it off. We are to separate. We're to walk out of the room. We're to go on a run. We're to take a cold shower. It doesn't matter what you got to do. It is inconvenient or painful. You are to do it. And like Joseph, I'm telling you this, my friends, God will bless you and you will live the life of freedom that you really want. It is the word of God. 
But listen, I know we're surrounded by messages and lust from TV to internet to social to, to, to old girlfriends and boyfriends sending us messages on, on, on Facebook or Instagram. It's easy to just feed your flesh. So what's a practical way to break the hold of lust over your flesh? Galatians chapter 5. Contrast these two areas of our life. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit is what's been redeemed. Remember, this is the people who are called, who are part of God's children. So you have a redeemed spirit in you. You are saved. God has given you that spirit. But the flesh desires what the opposite of the flesh The flesh is the opposite of what the spirit wants to do. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. In other words, you're not to do what your flesh says to do. They are in conflict. So we have these two opposing aspects in our our lives. And let's just be honest. We all know that we battle against these. Flesh and the spirit. What I know is right. What I, oh, why am I doing what's wrong? Paul talked about this very thing in Romans 7. But the truth is this, the flesh, that as if we obey it, it leads us to death. But the spirit, if we follow and obey it, leads us to life. So, but these are two opposing. So how, how are you supposed to, like, who's going to win? If we were to take these two aspects of our lives, the flesh and the spirit, let's just, let's just call them dogs. They're fighting dogs. So how is it that the spirit can can become greater than the flesh? The one that will dominate your life? Do you know what the one that will win in your life? I'll tell you, it's the one that you feed the most. That's the one that's gonna win. And the one you refuse to feed, the one that you make decisions that are inconvenient and painful, that crazy dog becomes less and less and less and less, but as you feed in the spirit, that one begins to get stronger and stronger and stronger. It's the one you feed the most is the one that we will obey. Okay, so how do we feed it? Number three, we are to fill our heart with truth and purity. This is the key of breaking free from the prison of lust. Fill your heart with truth. Fill your heart with purity. Turn away from, from the other things that, 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 you know, it doesn't matter. I can watch that. Can you? Is that feeding the flesh or is that feeding the spirit? Ask yourselves the question. What you entertain, what you allow, what you scroll on, what you look to, what you chat with, the, the way that as you put yourself in situations because you kind of do want to dabble a little bit in the, in the flirty rush of, of life, even though you've been married for 20 years. What, what, what are you doing actually? You say no to those things. And by saying no, the spirit becomes stronger and the flesh becomes weaker. And, number, and so we need to know this number three, how do we feed that spirit as we fill our lives with truth and purity? Philippians 4.8 says this, brothers and sisters, let's read this together, okay? Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. It's, it's almost like the writers of the Bible knew what they were talking about. Listen, they, they, don't, they don't act as though we're not in this battle. No, the Word of God equips us to succeed and live the life that actually we want to live. 
security matters. What we entertain matters. Being in church, intentionally coming to church, to be in the presence of God, to be with the people of God, intentionally taking a moment online on Sunday mornings and, and worshiping and being there, that is a step you are, this matters. It fills our, our hearts with the presence of God. It fills our lips with the worship of God. It fills our minds and our, and our spirits with the word of God. It fills us with relationships for, as we walk through life, account, accountability in the family of God. What we allow in our hearts matters. And I want you to hear me today. I want, I want this to resonate deeply in all of our lives. You are the gatekeeper of the door of your heart. You are. Every person has the capacity to lust. Every man, including myself, has the capacity to lust to the limits. I can, if I wish. Jesus is saying, don't do it. Guard your heart. The consequences are too great. Your future is packed with so many good things. Don't do it. And as we surrender our lives to Jesus, as, as we allow things to come into the doorway of our hearts, we have the ability to shut the gate. Uh-uh, not having that. It's inconvenient because you got to get up and do it. It's inconvenient because you got to stand there. It's inconvenient and painful sometimes, but you, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not having that in my life. My flesh wants it. My spirit says, get the heck out of here. Not having it. You are the gatekeeper. You're the gatekeeper to your heart. You can say no. You can say yes. You can say filters, no filters. I mean, even get a stinking flip phone. It doesn't matter. Do it. Get rid of that one. Do what it takes until that spirit man is stronger and stronger and stronger. And that flesh that has controlled you and given you regret and shame and depression and broken relationships so that the withered, stinky old dog is almost dead. You keep the spirit high. Amen? That's what God calls you to do. He can't do it for us. But we can cooperate with that decision. He can't make the decision for us is the better way of saying it. He can't make that decision for you. But he can, once you make the decision, empower you to do so. Jesus said in verse 8, that we are to gain and pursue purity. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. What does he mean? He begins a sermon by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. What, what does that mean? Does that mean, oh, I'm poor? No, it means this, that you recognize that you have an incredibly deep need for the work of God in your life. You can't do it on your own. You can't. Listen, we live in a world that's trying to seduce you, seduce your children, seduce your, your mind, kill your marriage, destroy everything that God has for you. And the Lord wants you 
to live a life of purity. And you can't do it until you realize I need you, God, to help me. I surrender. I give up. I repent. I acknowledge. I make this, this decision today. I'm cutting off what has fed my flesh. And I'm going to be in the Word of God. I'm going to, to, to have a, a time that I spend with you every day and say, God, I give you today. Lord, I recognize that I'm nothing without you and I need you. Lord, I want my children. I want my grandchildren. God, I, I, I don't want to be seduced by the world. As a young adult, I, 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 don't, I don't want to find my acceptance and, oh, this is, oh, they'll, they'll accept me. If I, I, the need in all of us, especially when you're single, to be loved, to be seen. The Lord says, set yourself aside and I will bless you. Because he promised he would. We take these practical steps. The path of purity requires a pure heart. The pure heart cannot be attained without Christ. But Christ cannot purify your heart until you cooperate with what he's already done and surrender your life to him. And then we take the practical steps of being the gatekeepers of our lives. So what was Jesus wanting to say to us today? One, he wanted you to understand the horrific life that we will experience if we yield to sinful lust. He wants us to come to grips with the real cause of our sin. It's our hearts. What are we putting in place of God? What, what needs are we trying to get met by someone or something else that only God can meet. And as you realize that today, he wants you to act decisively, immediately, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's painful, that right now is always the right time to do the right thing, right now. And he also wants you to realize, because of all the messages in our own lives, that lust is not the meaning of your life. Your sex drive is not the center of who you are. It's not the most important part of your life. It's important, yes, in the right boundaries and within marriage, yes. One man, one woman in marriage, yes. But it's not the driving force of your life. Don't let the world tell you that. You are so much more than your sex drive. And he wants you to know that. Think about what you gain by abandoning these areas of lust. You get the peace of God. You get the life you've always wanted. And what you gain will put the shame anything that you gave up. The Lord says today, will you surrender? Will you let me deliver you from the prison of lust? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you love us enough, man, to, to get down to the heart of the matter 
which is my heart. Lord, today, we confess that we've been looking to this area of lust. We've allowed it to drive us. We've allowed it to rob from us. We've allowed it to take up real estate in our hearts. And Lord, we're sorry. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for these decisions we've made. Lord, forgive us for looking to this area to bring purpose for my life. God, it's so cheap in comparison to what you offer. And I see it now. Thank you for showing me. Thank you for revealing it to me. Lord, today we surrender our hearts to you and we say no more, no more, no more. Lord, we make a decision and a commitment to do what it takes, practical steps, regardless of how painful, regardless of how inconvenient, regardless if we have to change jobs, regardless if we have to just what, regardless of whatever it is, we take these steps out of faith as Joseph did. And though for a moment it seemed painful, you blessed him and you gave him more than he ever could have dreamt. That's what you want to do for us. So God, today, we take you at your word and we ask you to cleanse us. And we ask you to heal our families. We ask you, God, that men would rise up and be men of integrity, men of purity, men that don't serve you on the outside, but they serve you on the inside. Therefore, their life demonstrates it. Lord, for women who look good on the outside, but their hearts are leaning towards someone who's not their spouse to get their needs met. And, and they've played mental games about why it's okay because their husband's not really meeting their needs. Lord, may they shift their eyes from an idol and put their eyes on you. May men shift their eyes from the idol and put their eyes on you. We are children of God. We have been called of God. We have been saved by your blood and your sacrifice. And today we come into alignment with the life that you've actually called us to live, that we all really want to live. A life of freedom, a life of peace, a life of trust, a life without secrets, and a life that's worth living. We give you our lives today, and we thank you for who you are. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, Jason, I don't know Jesus, and I want to give my life to him. I want him to cleanse me, to forgive me, to transform my heart. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, nobody's looking around, or if you're joining us online, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just lift it up before the Lord as an acknowledgement of giving your life 
to him. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. For those online, do the same. Just right there. Lift them up. Lift both hands before the Lord. For those of you who, who raised your hand or those who maybe didn't, but you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And the scripture is clear that if you believe it and you confess with your mouth that you will be saved. And we're all going to pray it together. We're going to pray it with you. So church, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart. I confess that I need you. I confess that I can't do this without you. I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Today I give you my life. Today I submit to you. Today I make a commitment to be a follower of you. Give me a new heart. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. And thank you for loving me while I was a sinner. I'm a child of yours now. And I will follow you all the days of my life with your help. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, just want to ask you to do me a huge favor. Right in front of you is a connect card, and you can just fill that out. If you gave your life to Jesus online, you can click the link that's showing up right there. Just fill it out. Say, hey, give my life to Jesus. And when you leave, you can drop it in the white buckets. Also, if you have prayer requests that you want us to pray for as a staff, we'd be honored to pray with you. You can fill that same card out and drop it, and we will pray for you. Let's all stand to our feet. How many appreciate the Word of God? It is sharp. It's sharp. But it's, it brings deliverance. I'd be honored if I could just pray over you and bless you today. So if you could just lift your hands and receive the blessing of God over your life, whether you feel like you deserve it or not. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray you bless your precious people. You'd strengthen them today. You'd give them hope. You'd heal their broken hearts. You'd give peace to their worried minds. You'd restore what has been lost and what the enemy has taken from them. You would prosper them. You would open up doors that only you could open. And you will protect them and keep them and walk with them. God, reassure them today that you see them, you know them, you love them, and you have an incredible future for their lives. And so God, I bless them today. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen and amen, amen.